everything from IQ levels and, uh, and for, to graduation rates and even incarceration rates. It is why daddy issues is now considered an official term by psychologists. It is recognized. Why? Because there are so many people who still are trying to stri and striving to receive the approval of their fathers. A person might have some slight influence with, with uh, being a co-worker or a peer, but it is dwarfed by the impact of a father, whether good or bad. To make sure that it is a good impact, you should take uh, your examples of what a father is from our Heavenly Father, who is perfectly good and dwells in heaven. Today, I want to share with you five characteristics taken from the Word of God of what a good earthly father should be modeling their lives uh, after. Being a father is the toughest job you will ever have in this life, but it will be the most rewarding if you put the work in. Amen? We have to put the work in to see the results. Now, I want to just kind of jump into these today, and we're going to go through these, but number one characteristic I want to share with you is a godly father teaches. A godly father teaches. Your child's education is not the responsibility of the schools or the churches. The, the, they are supplementary to what they should be learning from their dads and, of course, moms as well. But I got y'all a few weeks ago. I'm going to focus on the dads today. Kids only spend about 10% of their childhood hours at school, the, meaning that they are learning 90% at home. 90% of what they learn, they learn at home. And I guarantee you, we had a lot of educators in this room, they can tell by the child the, how the home life is. They can tell whether they have engaged parents or they can tell whether, the, whether a father is engaged in their life or a mother is engaged in their life, and they can tell the ones that are not. Why? Because what we do does matter. How we model uh, our, our lives does matter. It is why uh, you and I have to take what we do seriously. It is the primary job of a parent to train up their child in the ways that they should go so that when, they are old, when, they are, when he is old, they will not depart from it. Proverbs 22 and 6. What is this saying? It is a command of the Lord to bring up our children in the ways of the Lord, to understand the ways of God. Training up a child in the way they should go is less about math and science and more about learning what God is and who God is. Deuteronomy 6 verses 6 through 7 said, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit, sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down uh, and when you lie down and when you rise up. In other words, what, what the law is challenging us to do in Deuteronomy is to always be on the job. That we shouldn't, we don't have time to take a day off of instructing our children about the ways of the Lord and we all should be striving for teachable moments in our children's lives. In other words, that 90% that your kids are spending, or 80% that your kids are spending with you, they're learning how they should follow God, and they will live out loud what they, what they are taught. And, and so we must be what God wants us to be. In other words, Proverbs 1, verses 8 and 9 says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teachings, for they are a graceful garland for your head and a pendant for your neck. Also, Proverbs 4, 1 says, Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive, that you may gain insight. And then the last verse I want to share about this particular characteristic is 1 Thessalonians 2, 11 and 12 says, For you know how 
how, like a father with his children, we exhort each one of you, uh, exhorted we, each one of you, and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who called you into his own kingdom and glory. A godly father always seeks teachable moments in their children's lives. Now, characteristic number two today, a godly father provides an example worth following. You can't be a godly father unless you live out loud what it means to be a godly father. In other words, uh, that's uh, although kids fail a lot of times to do what we say, they rarely fail to do what we do. In other words, they will mimic our actions. They will mimic what we do. I was sharing in the early service that I had a grandfather, grandf my grandfather, Father Sutton, and he he chewed tobacco, and he would come to visit us, and and I was four years old when he came to visit us, and and my dad couldn't stand it because my grandpa carried around a spit can, and when he would spit, I would spit, and I, I mimicked his actions, I followed through his actions, and so Grandpa went back home, and when Grandpa left, Mom was cleaning the house, and she was moving the couch cushions, and guess what? A piece of that red man chewing tobacco had fell down in between the cushions and this little four-year-old set of eyes locked on it and before my mom could catch me I got that tobacco and crammed it in my mouth that was the last tobacco I crammed in my mouth I got sick as a dog mama said that's better than any other kind of correction as sick as I got off of that what are you saying we mimic the actions of those who we love and we care about and we crave their approval we that is a power that fathers have that they don't realize we need to be respectful of that authority God has given us and mimic to our children the behavior we want them to have. They may not always do what you say, but they will eventually do what you've done. Amen. So I want my children to mimic godly behavior. Now, what does it mean? Uh, no matter how much you try to teach them something, they will unlikely or more than likely uh, not listen as much as they will do what you show them. Children are hypocrisy detectors. They're little hypocrite detectors. Have you found that in your household? Lately, my son has found it fun to quote back my sermons. My, my thing is, at least he's listening. Amen. But, I, you know, he'll do something like this. I believe it was said by somebody a Sunday ago. And my reply is, at least you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> They're hypocrisy detectors, are they not? In other words, they will catch you when you're not doing what you tell them to do, when your behavior goes opposite of what you tell them. In other words, I've, I've heard this saying, and it's such an excuse by a lot of people, don't, don't do what I do. Don't do what I do. Do what I say. No, do what I do is what the Bible will tell you. In other words, they will mimic, children will mimic what their fathers do. They will mimic what is, they see in the household. So let's be godly examples. Amen. Children will detect your hypocrisy. Amen. They won't behave because they won't believe. In other words, they, they need to, we need to apply Romans chapter 2, verses 21 through 24. You then who teach others, do you teach yourself? Why, while you preach against stealing, do you steal? Who, you who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who hoard idols, do you rob temples? The, you who boast in the law of dishonoring God, are you breaking the law? For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. What is he saying in Romans? Paul is saying, in other words, be truthful to what you say you are. 
Be truthful to the example and be that. Be truthful in your actions as well as your words. It's easy for us to tell people to do the right thing and tell our children to do the right thing. What we need in today's world is fathers modeling the example of what it means to follow Jesus. Uh, and, and, and now, Proverbs 20 verse 7 says, "The righteous who walk in in the, the righteous who walk in integrity, blessed are his children after him." In other words, we have within us the ability to create a legacy of truth. Now, I think many, many times that we, you know, you may be sitting here today and you say, well, I don't have a godly legacy in my home. My father didn't follow Jesus. My grandfather didn't. My, my, my great-grandfather didn't. That might be your story today. But let me tell you, somewhere you realize you possess the power to break the cycle. You possess the power to do things differently. I think of my grandfather, Will, uh, uh, Will Sutton. I mean, Will, Will Mentor. Daddy will get me on that one. I put Mama's maiden name to my dad's father. So, well, we know who the boss is. So anyway, but my, my grandpa mentor, he, he would go into the woods. They were farming in, in Sand Mountain, and he would put the boys to work, and they would hear him out in the woods praying. They would hear him out in the woods calling on the name of God. And, and, and later on in life, when I would stay with my grandparents, my grandmother was crippled and very sick. I would hear my grandfather at night when everybody was supposed to be asleep, and I would hear him praying that the Lord would use his family, that the Lord would help him live long enough to take care of his wife. And, it got that, and, and, I, and he would say something along the lines of this, that I have used my life. I didn't, I didn't serve you all my life. Lord, I pray you use all my children. You use all their kids. They, they would be servants of you. Well, in other words, he's saying, all right, here, right now, I want to break the legacy, and I want it to be a brand new legacy. What are you saying? I'm telling you, that is something every one of us possess. You can write a new legacy that can be followed from generation to generation to generation. I think of Tina's father. He's went on to be with the Lord, and, and, and we, we miss him. This time of year is tough, and Father's Day is tough for us because we miss Hubert. But I, I, I think of, of you know, her, his father was an alcoholic, and, 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 and that was his legacy. And, and her dad was following in that same legacy, but he found Jesus, and there it was broken in their lives. And, and because of that, there's a godly generation after godly generation in her family you can set a new trend you can break the cycle and you can allow there to be a godly legacy oh that we would look back and see an inheritance of god in our life so you have within you the power to model a new life before your family amen in other words first corinthians 11 1 says be imitators of me as i am of christ paul says if you're going to model yourself after somebody model yourself after jesus Model yourself after Jesus. Look to know him. Number three point today, a characteristic today is a godly father disciplines his children. This is one that's not too popular, but we got to preach it because it's in the word. The D word, <laughs> discipline, uh, here is not always popular, both because it is not fun for the parent or the, or the child. Now, I'm going to say this right now. If you take pleasure in discipline, that is abuse. Got quiet. But if you take pleasure in discipline, that's abuse. A loving father's heart will break when they have to discipline. A loving father will find themselves weeping when they have to discipline. Why? And I'm not just talking about, you know, uh, I don't know about you, but I'm going to go all southern on you. We got whoopings in my house. 
had a lady come up to me once in a revival, and she said, I think that's so awful that you got whippings. She said, that was so awful. I said, I made a preacher. My brother made a preacher. What would your kids make? <laughs> You'll live through it, I promise you. Many stripes for the gospel. So I'll tell you all a funny story. I'm going to chase this rabbit real quick. We, when we were remodeling the church, the, the, we had a side entrance here, and there were steps leading in where now there's a storage room and, uh, and, a, and a freezer. But it would come into the fellowship hall before we built the new bathrooms and all this addition on. And when I was a kid, my dad pastored this church, and when it came time to tear up those steps, I volunteered because I, I received many stripes for the gospel's sake as a child on those steps. So I, I gladly took the sledgehammer to him. <laughs> Amen. I can think about, I'm going to tell him Paige a little bit. I can think about when Paige was little, and uh, Meredith gave me a set of, I like, I like shooting guns, and so he got me a set of, uh, of headphones that would you could hear with a microphone, but it would mute. Some of y'all have those once you shoot the gun. So you could still talk to people around you. And so I, he gave them to me, and, and I had them on in the kitchen, and I had just got on to Paige. And so I turned them things up. I said, I wonder what I can hear. And you know what I heard? I heard her on the other side of the house, and she was letting me have it. <laughs> she was. She's like, when I grow up, I'm going to spank you, Daddy. <laughs> I love you. It's Father's Day. I get a pass. So anyway, but what are you saying? I'm saying, listen, the, 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 we, we can't be afraid to discipline our children. An undisciplined child it has no guidance in life, no direction in life. In other words, we must be willing to lay down into the path of danger to deflect danger from our children. And look, there comes a time when they may bypass around. But look, I'm going to just say this real honestly. If my kids go to hell, they'll have to step over my praying body to get there. Amen. I'm going to do everything in my power to seek the face of God. I'm going to do everything as a father to deflect them from the dangers of this world. Why? Because that's what my heavenly father did when he sent his son Jesus. He said, I don't want them to perish, so I'll send my most precious son to die for them. That's a dad, is it not? Oh, my goodness. That's a father. That's a father. Discipline is something that must take place in the home in order to have a, a, a happy home. In other words, I don't want my kids to fear me, but I want my kids to understand I love them enough to say no. I love them enough to correct them. When a child is insistent on heading down a harmful path, the most loving thing that you could do is try to correct their path. It would be unloving to not provide discipline. In other words, the Bible says in Proverbs 13, 24, whoever spares the rod hates his son. We, we like to say spare not the rod and spoil the child, but you realize the first part of that says whoever doesn't discipline, they must hate their child. They must hate their child. Why? Because they're allowing them to go uncorrected down a path of destruction. It, it would be like if, it would be like me saying, you know, if there was a rattlesnake in the front yard, and Peyton said, I want to go out and look at it. And I'm saying, you know, sure, whatever. I think I'm going to pick it up. Well, I wouldn't do that, but if you do, you do. No, I'm going to do everything in my power to deflect the danger out of my child's life. What are you saying this morning? Fathers, we could be the last line of defense between our children and hell. God is looking to us to be godly fathers in this world. 
godly fathers in this world, and we must fight for that. Amen. Discipline should be fair when done unfairly and inconsistently or hypocritically. It can become frustrating to our children. And that would invoke uh, Ephesians 6, 4, which says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. He's saying, be fair about it. Be, be fair about it. Do it the right way. Do it the godly way. Don't, don't be unfair in what you ask. Oh, my goodness. Done correctly, discipline is, is only momentarily unpleasant, but will bring long-term benefits. I'm going to tell you right now, some of our prisons would be less some prisoners if there had been a father in their life. That's just the truth. If there had been a father in their life that had loved them and disciplined them with love. Hebrews 12, 11 says, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. In other words, I'm going to give you a spanking when I grow up, you know. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained up by it. He's saying later on, you're going to appreciate somebody that loved you enough to tell you no. Later on, you're going to appreciate it. Somebody that loved you enough to stand in your way. Amen. Amen. I'm going to just tell you now, my dad didn't let me go certain places. Because he knew certain things were going on. And I'm like, well, I don't have to do those things. I can just hang out. He said, I don't want you to be there and be tempted, son. I, want, I, I, want, I don't want you to be put in a position to fail. Do you realize good kids make bad decisions put under the right circumstances? Amen. They do. Good kids. Now, number four, I told you I'll move quickly. If you amen me, you'll get out of here. You don't amen me, we're going to be here a while. A godly father loves his children. The motivation behind all we do, discipline, modeling, and teaching, should be always with the mi in mind of love. It should be love driving that. A godly father loves his children and therefore desires what is best for them. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Third, uh, uh, third John verses one, or, or chapter one, verse four. He's saying, when I hear my kids are doing the right thing, it makes me happy. May, let me ask you this. When you have somebody uh, talk good things about your kid, especially if they don't know you're your kid, don't they make you feel good? Oh, they ain't a parent in this room ain't smiling. In other words, when you have somebody say, man, you know that so-and-so kid? They're a great kid. That, you know, they're a How many of you like your teachers to look at you and say, your child's a pleasure? Not, um, your child's leaving. You know, everybody, everybody wants to hear good things about their kids. And what does that do? That reflects on you as a parent and the job that you're doing. Amen. Dads, it, is a, there's, it doesn't matter how many touchdowns, home runs. It doesn't matter how many state championships or playoffs. What matters is that your children grow up to be men and women of faith and love Jesus. Because guess what? One day they're going to hang up the helmet. They're going to put down the bat. One day they are no longer going to take the field. But I'm going to tell you this. They can always know the lessons they have learned to be a champion in life that you have taught them about Jesus. Oh, my goodness. I want my kids to be champions in life. How about you? I want them to be overcomers. I want them one day to walk into heaven. We sing that song, Homecoming, and, man, if you don't, if you don't get goosebumps, you ain't got them goosebumps. 
Why? Because it's talking about us coming home. Max Licato wrote in his book, The Applause of Heaven, he said, you will be home soon. You will enter that heavenly city and you will descend that ramp. He said, you'll see the faces of those who, have, who love you that have went on before you. But maybe, just maybe, in the back behind the crowds, the one who would rather die than to live without you will remove his nail-pierced hands from his heavenly robe and applaud. I want my kids to receive the applause of heaven one day. You can see that if you are a godly father, you can guide them towards that. Amen. How many of you today want to see your kids receive well done by Jesus? Amen. Amen. I'm thankful for that. If you love someone, you will build a relationship with them. It means that you have to spend time with your kids. Amen. I know that God tells us to be providers, men, but I'm going to tell you that doesn't just mean providers of finance and protection and shelter. It means to be providers in every area of our family's lives, and that includes showing up. Amen. I didn't come here for that. Well, you, you got it anyway. It means that you have to spend time with your kids. The first rule of parenting is that you must always be present in order to win. You got to show up. If you want to win, you got to show up. You got to be present in their lives. And I am thankful. I want. I, look, I, I, there's very few games I've ever missed my kids playing in sports. There's very few things that I have missed in that area of their life. But I'm going to tell you, I don't want to be one that attends all of the things of this world that they've been involved in, and not be one to lead them to the house of God. Amen. Amen. Hmm. Hmm. Having an absent father is one of the most surest predictors of all kinds of negative outcomes for your children when you're not there. Being physically present but emotionally uninvolved and uninterested in their lives can lead to destruction in your relationship with them. You need to care about what they care about. Amen? There's some things I don't, I don't, I don't really look. Paige did ballet. I think every little girl does ballet. And I was the only dad sitting up there. But it's like, you know, yeah, do that twirl. I don't, I don't know nothing about it. It's like, yeah. I've been involved in things I don't know. Uh, as, as a matter of fact, I coached a, a 12U soccer team, knew nothing about soccer, and I loved the rec department. They said, that's okay, they'll tell you. But if you don't coach, we can't have a team. You know what? I coach soccer. Because I wanted my kid to have a team. What are you saying? Be involved in their lives. And when you are involved in their lives, you will form a relationship that they can come to you when it's real things that matter. Not that they struck out at the plate, but they're striking out at life and they feel like a failure. They can come to you because you've been present in their life and you have a relationship with them. Show up. There's something they teach you, uh, as a matter of fact, when I went for police chaplain's training uh, for the state of Georgia, there's something they teach you called the ministry of presence. Sometimes it's not what you say, it's just being there. It's just showing up. Sometimes there's no words. Sometimes it's just knowing somebody cares enough to be there. Show up, dads. God will reward you for it. Show up. Now, somebody says, well, I am showing up. Uh -huh. Well, then don't get mad. Be glad. But if you get mad, maybe we need to pray. If you don't actively love your children, make no mistake, 
Satan will place something to fill the void. I want to say that again. If you don't place, if you don't fulfill that need for a father's love in their life, Satan will fulfill it. He will. He'll put something in their path to try to fill the void that, that, that's been left behind. In other words, you need to make it clear that you are going to fight for your kids. You're going to do everything possible to help them in life. You're going to listen to them. You're going to show up. You're going to love them. You're going to model life before them, and you're going to teach them, and you're going to teach them about Jesus. 1 Corinthians 13.1 says, If I speak with the tongues of angels, or the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I'm a noising gong or a clanging cymbal. He's saying, I am making a lot of noise, but no difference in this world. I want I want you to understand what you say can matter in the lives of your kids when you have a relationship with them. When you don't have a relationship with them, they could care less what you have to say. When you haven't been present or showed up or modeled what it means to be a follower, they could care less. But when you have been there, I'm telling you, you're more than just making a bunch of noise. They're listening to what you have to say. Amen. They will have no reason to trust you and trust your discipline if you're not showing love. Now, number five, somebody says, thank God. A godly father must be a praying man. To be a godly father, you need God's help. There is nobody in this room, including the one preaching this, that knows how to be the father they need to be. We need God's help. We need God's help. Now, let me just share this with you real quickly. I remember when my firstborn was born. I can remember holding her for the first time. I can remember looking at her and being in awe of, wow, me and Tina made this. Look at this. This is beautiful. This is my daughter. But then it hit me in a split second. Oh, God in heaven, she will be 14 one day. <laughs> and I've never thought about a prison ministry, but I was thinking about I might have to start one from the inside. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. That was my baby girl. Whatever I need to do, I'm going to protect her. I'm going to be there for her. I'll do whatever I'm asked to do. Why? Because I love my child that much. And then God reminds me, Lord, if you, you know, I just wish she'd have come with an instruction book. And the Lord reminded me, he gave us an instruction book. It's called the Word of God. And if we will look to the Word of God, amen, it gives us everything we need to help our kids in life's journey. In other words, to have a godly father, you need help. You can't do it by yourself. None of us are perfect dads. We all are a work in progress. I don't care who you are. You are a work in progress. My father is 93 years old, and I'm, he, he's at home watching today. And I'm telling you, he would look at you if he was here and say, I'm still a work in progress. He said, I haven't done everything right, son. I did the best that I know how, and where I fell short, I trusted God to make up the difference. I want you to know that's a lesson that I'm trying to keep from my own life i'll never be a perfect dad but i'm trusting god to fill in the holes amen and help me be everything i can be i'm trusting god for that despite the huge influence that you have over your children you don't actually control them they still have the right to choose in other words you can do everything right as a parent and still have a prodigal son or daughter you can raise them to know the lord and then go their own path you can teach them about how they need to follow Jesus, and they can still go their own direction. That is not a reflection of you. That is a reflection that God gives everybody on this earth free choice. 
After all, God actually is the perfect Father, and we still rebel against Him at times in our life. I want you to think about that. We still are the prodigal sons and daughters at times in our life when God tries to teach us which direction to go. Therefore, out of love for your kids, you should pray. Pray without ceasing, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Pray with your children and pray for your children. By the way, your kids need to see you pray or hear you pray out loud for them. Amen. Well, I'm uncomfortable. I don't care. Write it down. Read it if you need to. But they need to hear your voice praying over them. They need to hear their father's voice. Amen. I know a lot of times we leave praying up to the mamas. I'm going to tell you, the Bible doesn't leave it up to the mamas. It talks about the fathers. The fathers. Now, pray with your children and let them hear you pray. Pray that they would grow to follow Jesus and trust him. Pray for yourself that you would know how to be a good father. If any lacks wisdom, the Bible says, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him, James 1 and 5. So you say, I don't know how to help them. Ask God. Ask God. Don't be afraid to tell God, I don't know how to help my child through this situation. I've got news for you. He'll give you wisdom. That's not a maybe. That is a promise. Amen. And you need to stand upon the promise of, uh, of James 1 5. Teach your kids. Live out loud what you teach. Correct them when they stray. Do everything out of love and pray continually for them. This is the formula to seeing a successful, uh, a successful father in this world today. In other words, it's a basic job description. The world needs godly fathers. You need, your children need a godly father. Based on the required instructional hours nationwide, your child will spend 20% of their waking hours at school. The other 80% they will spend under the influence of their parents and others. What are we doing with the time we have? Are we maximizing that time to show them there's a better way than this world? And I got news for you, dads. If you don't give them advice, the world will. Amen? Uh, if, if you don't teach them, the world will. The world will. We need to step in that gap and say enough is enough. We're not going to allow the world to dictate what our children will be. Amen? We stand. I want to give us a challenge. This challenge is not just for the fathers in the room, but this is for every young man that one day will be a father. Because becoming a godly father does not happen at the moment you find out you're going to be a father. We start now. Now. You say, well, I, I, I'm just a child, or I'm just a teenager, or I'm just this. You start now. You start now. Start now practicing being a person of prayer and a person of the word. Start now by showing your kids and modeling before them what it means to be a worshiper of God. Let me, let me give you a for instance. I can tell you right now, <laughs> if children grow up with, 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 with parents who are reserved in their worship, usually they will be reserved in their worship. But if you see people who uh, grow up around people who, you know, as a matter of fact, you risk your life during worship time walking through here. 
because we have some very expressive worshipers, and there's nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, if you argue that there's something wrong with that, then you need to throw out a lot of the stories in the Bible because I read where a woman interrupted the whole church service on her hands and knees crawling to touch the hem of his garment. I read about a blind beggar who interrupted the church service to do what? To cry out, Son of God, have mercy on me. I read about people who said, I can't just let him pass by quietly. I have to let him know I need his help. I have to express my love, my gratitude. So there's nothing wrong with that. Neither is there nothing wrong with sitting there and just quietly soaking in the presence of Jesus. But this morning, what kind of kids do you want to raise? Dads, what kind of dad do you want to be? You say, well, pastor, I'm being that kind of dad to the best of my ability, and praise the Lord, but we all still need help. My challenge this morning is to each and every man in this room, each and every male in this room, whether they're a father or not, do you want to be a godly father? Or do you want to be one one day? Then I want you to find your way to this altar and join me. Because that's where I'm going to come. And I'm going to talk to Jesus. This, this idea that this place is just for those who've messed up needs to get out of our heads. Do you hear me? We need to get that out of our heads. Because this is a place of connection with God. And yeah, if I've messed up, it can be a place because I've messed up. But a lot of times in my life, this is the place I come. Why? Because a physical move represents a spiritual decision. I'm physically moving out. Well, I could pray at my seat. Yeah, I can. But I'm going to tell you, I want to stand up and be counted, not by you, but by the Lord. And if he thought it not wrong to walk all the way to Calvary for me, what's wrong with walking a few steps for him and saying, I want to be a godly man. I want to be a godly father. So my challenge to you as they begin singing this song is that you would come and join me in this altar. We were looking for some godly fathers in this world. It can make a difference. It can make a difference in your family. It can make a difference in our community. Godly men pursuing him. Amen.